you're tuned in to the Neo Academy podcast. My name's Mark, and welcome to another episode of Neo Chats, deep dive conversations into the culture of education. Okay, hello and welcome, Jade. Um, would you like to uh, introduce yourself to the, the, the viewers and just let them know uh, a bit about what you do and where you're from? Yeah, so hello everyone, my name's Jade. I am the founder of STEAM School. STEAM School is a virtual academy for future inventors, engineers and tech entrepreneurs. We're based in the UK, that's where um, the vast majority of our students and teachers live and kind of go to school. Um, but we do have uh, some international learners as well and actually looking to um, expand out in so many different parts of the world and uh, yes it's very exciting so that so that's me and that's what we do amazing thank you for being here today jane i think it's it's also great to to have a woman uh, talking about uh, steam so thank you so much for making this space uh, for these neo chats you're most welcome I was trying to figure out, Jade, about your, um, you know, what what led you into it. You know, it's funny because you look at somebody's LinkedIn profile and you try and connect the dots. You're like, where, what, you know? But obviously, it doesn't tell the story. So, no. I, I, I'm really curious to know about what led you into this and what made you think this is something I want to dedicate my time and my passion, and my energy to. Yeah. So I can I can actually pinpoint the very very start of my Steam School journey. And it was almost an accident, really. I had a really, really successful career in the tech sector. Um, worked for small entrepreneurial brands. I worked latterly for British Telecom. So had a brilliant career, went off traveling, came back home and uh, set up my own business because I naively thought that was the best way to control my day <laughs> and not to have to travel so much, which I'd done previously. Um, and actually that business was brilliant, but again, I was traveling a lot. I was working really hard. And my mum uh, was a head teacher, stepdad was a teacher, grew up all around these, you know, people working in education. And my mum said to me, Jade, I really think you should think about going into teaching. You know, you'd, I'd come back home to Liverpool, didn't have a great social life because I was working all the time. And, uh, and she said, you've really enjoyed some mentoring. I've done some mentoring with Young Enterprise. Why don't you go and um, take a look at this school that's op opening in Liverpool? So it was one of the first Tony Blair Academies. <laughs> So I applied for a job there, which I had, I, I could do maybe 10% of the job description, you know, <laughs> that was it. Kind of blagged my way through an interview. And at the end, wrote to the head teacher and said, you know, I, I know that job isn't quite for me, but I really think that I've got something wonderful that I can contribute. And Kay, is uh, she was just a wonderful boss and so she made a job up for me really that's what she did you know so I became the director of enterprise and my job was to go into this school really really deprived community fifth generation worklessness and to create a culture of entrepreneurship with our students with our teachers 
and with the community. So not very long after starting that job, it was a Friday afternoon in my, from my previous role, one of my suppliers from British Telecom had invited me to the Henley Regatta. And uh, so I had a ball gown in my car, but my Friday afternoon was spent on the V streets of Anfield. So if anybody's been to a match at Liverpool Football Club, there are, at that time, and I think it's still the same, there are boarded up terraces everywhere. And it's very grim and dismal and feels, you know, you can see where, where the deprivation comes from when you're there. And then I drove down to the Henley Regatta and I was like, oh my gosh, like how could these two worlds be so different? And, and how did I, somebody who came from Liverpool, end up in a job where going to the Henley Regatta was a normal thing? You know, what was what's different about my experience to the children that I was working with? So right from that moment, I thought, right, I've met some brilliant people. I've had fantastic role models. I've had fantastic mentors. That is what I'm going to do in my role in education. So that's where my journey started. Um, I worked in, in Anfield for a couple of years, still the best job I've ever had. Um, I then went on to be a deputy head of another school. After I had my son, I came back, uh, back to Kay, my original head teacher, and she asked me to set up a life sciences school. And just because I, for some reason, I thought it was a good idea and it was a good idea, didn't uh, <laughs> I? Um, I said I'd like to open a school for video gamers as well. And she was like, sure, because she was a bit bonkers. So she went, yeah, go, just go for it, absolutely. And and none of the men around us thought that we would get either school. Like they were all like, those two, those two women are mad. What are they doing? And lo and behold, not only did we get the life sciences school but we got the gaming school as well. Um, so absolutely brilliant. I got to work with all of these fantastic gaming entrepreneurs who worked, had their businesses within a five minute walking distance of our school. Um, we had, uh, and, and they were in all the time and that's what real life was like in our school. It was brilliant, just this melting pot of creativity, uh, entrepreneurs, people, everybody getting stuck in. And I remember one day we had uh, Wired in, a journalist from Wired, you know, the big tech uh, magazine here in the UK came in. And he came on a Thursday and he was like, he said to me, have you have you just made this day up for me? Because like, if, 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 all these people were coming in and out. And I said, no, this is what our school looks like. This is what our school's like every day. Um, admittedly Thursdays were always a bit madder than others but that's what our day was like and I so again what I learned from our students at the video gaming school was the power of live streaming never heard of it before they were setting up all these live streaming clubs I was like oh this is interesting so when I left with a view to setting up my own business all of that kind of melting pot of ideas and experiences came together I wanted to be able to showcase and present really exciting role models to children. I wanted to be able to give them a new perspective about how science and technology was changing our world. 
I wanted to then feel like they had a part as well in leading that change. So we started off from my bedroom, a little corner of my bedroom broadcasting. First ones were absolute disaster. I should have never carried on after those first pilots, but I did. And here we are three years later, um, we've got a great community of schools, we've got an EdTech platform, you know, and lots of exciting stuff in, in, in development. So that's a very long answer <laughs> to your question, <laughs> but that's how I got where I am today. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's very inspiring. I can relate to the, the very beginning uh, from what you mentioned, uh, traveling a lot, getting your company started, four years ago saying, you know what, that's, I mean, it's, it's your own time. And you actually get to work maybe twice <laughs> that you normally work having a, a, an, a role that is within a, a company, right? Being yeah. an employee, but it's extremely rewarding. So yeah, I really absolutely. like absolutely. Um, yeah. hearing about your journey, uh, Jade, and I'm pretty sure many of the people around you have just been absolutely inspired by that. So thank you for sharing. Can I ask you, Jade, about the, um, there's one, one thing you, you mentioned quite a lot um, is um, future skills, you know, and so, you know, you, you, you've come in with all these, these experiences and the, these influences and you've seen the power of, you know, inspiring and elevating people um, by, you know, showing them like, this is a path forward, this is who you can be, here's, here's somebody you might be able to relate to and, and all of that. But in terms of the... Um, applicability i mean a lot a lot of talk around um steam in particular is about um getting ready for the world ahead i mean what 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 do you see as kind of future skills why does steam provide that and and what is it about the world that lies ahead of us that you think is going to be this is all going to become relevant okay um so so I've, I've talked about this this morning. So the first example that I always share with people is I know when I graduated, which was a very, very long time ago, in my first job, um, I was asked, I was invited to go and do a week's course, a whole week on Excel, just to learn a residential course as well. I mean, can you believe it? Um that you know how, how, many, how many years ago is that 20 years ago that somebody would send you on a week's course to learn excel that would never happen right now that would never happen today the world is changing at such a pace what we really really need to do is build children's inner core a lot of that's about grit and resiliency but also their creativity um you know, and their motivation to learn and to, to learn independently and to also know that you're not going to learn 100% in one go, that you need to learn by doing and that you need to learn by failing. And I'm going to share another example again from the STEAM school. So uh, not the STEAM school, that's my business, from the studio school, the game school that I set up. So when we created that school, it was... Um, uh, intended to be a school for 300 students, quite small, really. Um, and our first intake was 150 students. So budget-wise, we didn't have a full complement of staff. We just added 50% had what we needed in that first year to balance the books. 
and we committed quite a lot of time to children to uh, project-based learning and to children developing their own video game skills and you know and we we brought in some expert staff you know um people who previously worked in the video game sector myself as kind of that core bridge between industry and our teachers and then also a lead kind of technical computer science coding teacher but because everybody was doing it because we had this full 100 you know every student was going to learn video games that meant every teacher had to be involved in teaching video games even if they were an RE teacher or a science teacher or an art teacher we all had to get involved so for the first two terms for, so from September to December we it, it, it all worked wonderfully because it, for that term we were all learning about the video game sector we had lots of industry speakers and uh, master classes everybody learned teachers and students alongside each other and then we got to the january and the children had to learn had to create their own video games but 80 percent of the staff didn't even know where to begin so what we did was we created a website with if you've never created a video game this is where you start if you've already had a play around here's an intermediate level and if you want to be professional, give these websites a go. And off, you, off they went. And we had to become facilitators, coaches, mentors, rather than subject experts. And what an amazing experience that was for the students and for the teachers as well. So I can remember times when Students would come to us and they would say, oh, I thought we've all fallen out in our team. We all hate each other. We don't have anything, you know, and we go, well, you've got a mentor meeting in 24 hours, so you need to get yourself sorted. Or they'd say things like, we've lost everything. And we'd say, well, what have you learned? You know, and um, our industry mentors were brilliant because, you know, I, we, we were in quite a... Um, uh, an old warehouse building so I had to take them up in the lift to the top floor to meet the children for the mentor meetings and they'd get in and I'd say right okay well you know all your team's fallen out or they've done this and they do that you know this all this drama's happened and they've lost the work and whatever and they'd be like yeah Jay, don't worry we'll sort this out because this is real life this what happens in real life things go to plan people fall out with each other we have tech technical disasters but actually it's what happens next is where the real learning begins so for me you know I want children in order to be ready for the for the future and actually the future's here already um is we do really need to build up their their inner core of re resiliency creativity being comfortable with failure, knowing what to do when you don't know what to do next, you know, where to start. All of that is so important. Again, something that I took away from the video games experience, which I think is relevant for all industries, is that students need to have that blend of creative subjects and technical skills. And it's the blending of those two, you know, kind of disciplines um, where STEAM works 
brilliantly. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, having children who can walk into a room of coders, they might not be coders themselves, but they can at least converse and understand each other is brilliant. Equally, we want coders to understand, you know, other members of development, of the, of the development teams, you know, needs, requirements, wants. Everybody needs to be able to communicate in a way that, you know, helps us to develop great products and, and, and services. So, yes. So, for me, it's about developing that inner core. It's about resiliency. And it's about that magic combination of creative and technical skills together. Wow. Jade, I think I, I, do, I really do want to pick up on a few elements that you mentioned that, uh, for me, are extremely important here. Um, the first one would be, uh, and, and the analogy is pretty clear, right? We are teaching kids still in this traditional model things that they're not going to apply. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is that what you're saying is, well, teachers and, and admin staff, hang in there. You're not going to be teaching things that the kids are not going to apply. But actually, mm -hmm. what you're going to do is that you're going to learn what you are teaching them, whether it's your subject or not. Mm -hmm. And that's fantastic because you're having this transversal um, community that becomes so much stronger mm -hmm. than actually everyone is in a silo. I'm teaching science and yeah, I mean, technology might be a vector, but it's not something that I need, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm sticking to my class and that's it. And the history teacher would say the same. And then we have completely different people talk, specializing in their own subject and that's it, right? And by, by broadening this thinking, we're really seeing a, a, a collaboration across not only the student body, but also the staff and the, the faculty. So that, first of all, chapeau, because I think it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a great uh, mindset that you, you've, uh, you've introduced there. Um, second thing, Picking up on, on that on that topic of the mindset, I think this is great because I think one, one thing that European um, we uh, entrepreneurs have is that mindset that you can share with with uh, uh, entrepreneurs around the world, and it's exactly those skills that you're mentioning: resilience, um, treating life as it comes. You can plan one thing, mm -hmm. but it's extremely rare that things are going to go according to plan, right? So you're actually embedding that entrepreneurial mindset in your education. And this is not something that is happening in many schools. To be honest, the entrepreneurship path is rather the second path, right? They train you to go into enterprise and to actually become an employee. Mm -hmm. And then if you do create something, well, that's fine. But it's not the core mm -hmm. of many schools. So that. I really, really like a lot. And then the very last thing I would like to pick up on what you mentioned, um, and I'm seeing your logo behind you, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a very good reflection of where you were mentioning uh, having programmers mixing with uh, other kind of, of disciplines, and that's the, the same transition you're having in terms of, of colors, which is that you, mm -hmm. you might be yourself an expert in, in something, but you also need the complementary profiles and, mm -hmm. and that's how you're building something very strong. You're building an ecosystem that you can rely on and making sure that it's not because I'm a programmer that I don't have communication skills, which is the, the mm -hmm. typical 
um, perception, right? And in reality, mm. if you're widening those, uh, th that spectrum and opening it to, to acquiring different skills that are, are you saying, lifelong learning skills and something that we are going to have in, in real life, that's it. I mean, hopefully we can see a lot more people being involved in fields that maybe were not that accessible to them before mm -hmm. and actually bridging that gap, which is very strong still in STEM or STEAM related subjects. So once again, big, big, big congrats on that because uh, it's, it's very powerful what you're building. Thank you. Thank you. To pick up on, just to take that forward, because um, I think, you know, we, I see the same thing in it and, and just to kind of bring it forward onto the next, I guess, logical step here is when we're talking about, uh, as Alejandra mentioned, creating a, a, an ecosystem, I'm thinking about what, what wider system that ecosystem is within. And mm -hmm. an interesting comment that we heard just in an earlier conversation was about um, steam being a Trojan horse for change because all of the stuff that, that, that when you talk about the future of education, you talk about, you know, getting rid of the silos, transversal project-based or problem-based learning, um, you know, um, collaborative working towards a common goal, all that kind of stuff that is embedded in the way that steam functions. And of course it's coming into the schools, but within a system where subjects are separate. And the, the, the young learners are going home and they're excitedly telling their parents, uh, you know, this is what I did today and this is what I learned. And they're like, wow, this is, I've never seen them so energized about learning and so aware of the learning process because they've come through design thinking and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the teachers are, are obviously witnessing this as well. And I'm wondering, what would you say to the, is it possible that you think STEAM could be a force for change bottom up in education? I think that's a really, really difficult one. Um, so first of all, I think in the, in the past year, what the pandemic and kind of learning at home has given us an opportunity is it's really magnified, I think, where we're at in terms of we are still very much in that silo-based um, education, particularly here in the UK, in UK schools. Um, I think what that has done is has really shone a light on, on, on where, we, where we are at. And particularly for parents, per, lots of parents, I think, you know, as a result of really getting stuck in in a bit more detail with what their children are learning at school. Um, albeit at home, it's a little bit different. But I think parents will start to... Uh, will increasingly see parents demanding something different for the for their children. Um, in America, that is already happening. There's a real kind of swell of what they're calling micro schools and pandemic pods, um, where you know uh, parents want um, small schools, project-based learning, self-directed learning. Um, so all of that's happening over in the US. What I've seen here in the UK is uh, an increasing number of, of virtual schools as well. Again, with those, you know, those schools are offering a slightly different model, really, of the core curriculum and 
something else that's a bit more creative and you know and, and innovative so so what i hope is that you know through all of so everything that teachers have experienced through the past year they've really really had to upscale you know embrace technology in a way in you know and in such a huge you know such a short space of time that that might act as a bit of a trojan horse as well because i think technology is such a huge enabler for steam uh, for us you know to invite teachers to design curriculums that give students a bit more freedom that are more personalized so hopefully that that will help but i think you know there has to be kind of a, a real systematic change to to where we're at in order to see big change and certainly if you look around the globe you know places like china um in, you know in the middle east in asia there is a recognition that strategically steam is the best way to prepare children for careers you know for future careers in science and technology but we haven't yet seen that in in this country and we need to see it i think if we want to keep a pace with with global learning the, the pandemic and the the growth uh, in terms of technology that was that just boosted the, the adoption rate so quickly that is making a lot of parents reluctant to what previous education was mm -hmm. and some of them have actually just not being um, okay with leaving their, their kids at, at a school that they they are realizing because they are at home how the school works. Yeah. So some of them have even decided to take them out, to homeschool them. And then we arrive at a moment. So what happens when the pandemic is over? What's happened, what, what's gonna happen with those kids who have been homeschooled, parents are realizing the, the crucial job of uh, teachers as well and they also have their own working lives. So what's mm -hmm. gonna happen with them? We need an awareness to make sure that the, the next transition, yeah, I mean, they're gonna make those kids go back to school, but what kind of school? Are they yeah. going to put them back into the traditional school or are they going to enable this opportunity? Because that, that's the way I'm seeing this pandemic and this opportunity to actually leverage the ability of other forms of learning and not necessarily sticking to the old traditional because they have been sitting here for over 50 years and that's what makes that school so prestigious and what if the prestige actually comes from something else around innovation and ways of making these kids way more engaged in their learning process and you said self-directed learning absolutely yes but now in that awareness process, it's not only the kids, but also the parents now realizing that they need that. And I think that's yeah. that's the, the, the leap we're missing from those uh, oriental cultures, maybe where it's much more of a norm rather than mm -hmm. in our side of the world, I would say, where things are still picking up and at a very slow pace. But I'm, I'm positive and hoping that we can get to implementing that and understanding the why behind that shift. Yeah, another thing that I think is really important. So, so pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I um, observed working, I mean, we work with big brands, Google, Amazon, 
um, Facebook. We've, we've, we've worked with all the big brands and really, really small companies as well. And so absolutely pre-pandemic, I would have, you know, I would say that all of these companies are desperate for talent. And um, I'm not sure that they can wait for the school system to catch up. So we saw here in the UK with the launch of the apprentice levy that tech companies saw that as an opportunity to create their own programs. So that was the first step. I think now, post-pandemic, as people start to get back to normal, actually, you know, already some of the big tech companies are talking about a hybrid model where people will never go back into the office full time. So if people aren't working nine to five, then lots of families won't necessarily want a nine to three model for their children. They'll want something more flexible. So again, I think parents, you know, enabled by the companies they work for, again, they will start to seek different, you know, options. Absolutely. And if the companies are sponsoring that idea, going back to the to the awareness, I mean, it's not only something that I as a parent would like, it's something that my employer is also fostering uh, as part of my, my growth process. So I, I really like that idea and I hope we're, we can tend to that. Yeah, I'm loving this idea of, you know, the, the pandemic as the disruptor. It's, you know, we're always talking about disruptive innovations like products or services or whatever, but this thing has accelerated change in a way that I don't, I don't, I don't think we've really understood yet. And we will observe that. And it's something I hadn't thought until you brought it up, Jade, about the, you know, the fact that the, it's like the whole house of cards is going to, is, you know, mm-hmm. is going to kind of tumble down because you've got um, companies saying, well, Hey, look, we've got to make changes here to working patterns, which is going to impact parents it's going to impact children. But also companies saying, you know, we don't really need you to go through traditional education systems. We really want you to know this, this and this. And actually, if we've got to take that in-house, we'll do that. Let's mm-hmm. set up Google University or whatever. Let's do our certifications. And and the old kind of reason for education to go through that kind of standardized model was really for employers, you know, all because mm-hmm. employers need to be sure of levels that an A means an A across the country and all that kind of stuff. And now employers are saying, not really, actually. And parents are saying, you know what, we're okay with the change as well. And, you know, I mean, I think we're just going to see is that everything's just converging on on change. Right. Uh, the next couple of years are going to be really exciting. And I, just, I wanted to ask you about, um, in terms of looking towards the future, because the other thing that's associated with STEAM is not just the whole transversal project-based learning it's not just the um future skills but it's also diversity as well Mm -hmm. um and that's something i'm sure that you get asked about a lot or that i've seen you you mention on your website and things like that so in terms of the the, the practical implementation so bringing steam school in as as a product into schools and aware that uh, there is a diversity issue in these fields at present you know how do you go about um, broadening access and encouraging uh, lots of different people to get involved in something that might not traditionally have seemed like the path that was for them? How do you go about that? Mm. So we work really, really hard on um, 
one engaging with the with the commercial sector whether they're big brands or or small companies but also we really really believe in telling powerful stories you know you know whoever whoever is on our show what has been their journey to get to where they are today and and we do really want to show children a diverse range of 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 voices really you know backgrounds ethnicities you know um genders you know we're absolutely committed to that and I think also as well it's sometimes as well it's the subtleties as well that we show children in that you know people come on our show and quite a lot of them are you know are used to they might be the spokesperson for their company they might be used to doing lots of public speaking and they're great at, at it but equally we have guests who you know, aren't a traditional public, you know, uh, speaker who are perhaps quieter. And uh, and those shows feel really, really different, but they're, they're a very good balance because what we want to show is to that, you know, that student who's sitting in the back of the classroom, who's the real introvert, who's really shy, that, you know, actually this, this could be you. You know, you could be, the data scientists for, uh, you know, a really cool robotics company, you know, and you don't have to be all singing, all dancing and, you know, ready to go on stage at any moment in time. <laughs> so for us, showing that diversity of, of different types of people, backgrounds, you know, personalities, everything, I think is really, really important. And it is something that we have to work at to make sure we've got that balance. You know, um, I think com companies are, are, are really open to um, to showcasing different people. Uh, and, and I think like no other, people from the science and technology industry are really, really, really supportive of, um, you know, of, of putting a diverse range of, 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 of people on a platform. Yeah, like, like the NASA, uh, the recent NASA televised broadcast. I mean, that was exceptional, wasn't it? Uh, it was the most diverse mm -hmm. representation yeah. I've seen from NASA in all of the mm -hmm. all of the times they've been televising, and it's, it was great to see. Yeah, it's so exciting, and I think in particular, I mean, it's International Women's Day today. You know, um, you know, in particular with, with regards to women, there are so many. Um, really, really, really good female role models in, in, in the STEM areas these days. Just brilliant communicators, really passionate about what they do. And so important for boys and girls to hear their voices, you know, uh, and to, to hear their stories. So it becomes more normal, really, for us to have a really good balance of genders in the workplace. That sounds just great and a very positive message to for this recording on, on International Women's Day. So thank you so much, Jay. <laughs> I think that's that's very important to, to also make it available. Um, I mean, for me personally, uh, I can share, we're talking about sharing stories. I remember when I was a little girl, for me, math and anything that was related to science and things like that was just almost unreachable. And it was always the, the subjects that I would fail and things that were just not part of my passion. And it's not 
like that was actually fostered and say, well, you know what, you can get better at this. No, I mean, it was like, that's it. You, you have a label on you. You're not the kind of scientific person. And as a challenge this year, at the very beginning of this year, I actually started a, a course in big data analytics. And that has been a, a very um, rewarding experience also to see that maybe a little bit more than half of the uh, my classmates are actually women as well. And I wasn't certainly not expecting that. That's absolutely great. And people mm -hmm. from very different backgrounds also now shifting towards um, data related jobs, which at some point were seen like, you know what, this is only for programmers and you're gonna be typing a hundred hours of, of code uh, per week. And in reality, it's not about that. So I think it's also a lot about demystifying what this kind of, of roles are. And yes, I cannot code, but I'm about to finish the, my, my course and I can certainly understand better what these people who code do. And that changes a lot the perception, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's really really great if we can do that for uh, and and I would not say not say only for young girls. I would say also young boys. You were saying it very well. It doesn't mean that because you're a boy you're a natural for this. Not at all. And yet that's part of some of the cliches that are uh, still stigmatized in some of the societies. So I think it's really, really important to, to get those conversations going and to make sure that these kids, whether they are boys, girls, what, whether their ethnicity is whatever it is, they can do it. And if you believe it, if you try it, if, and again, you said you might fail, that's absolutely fine, but at least you learn something and you might not like it, fine, at least you tried it, right? So I think it's, it's really, really great to, to hear that you are um, pushing this uh, towards this uh, path because I truly believe this is where everyone should be aligning uh, towards. So thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, cool. I, I tell you what would be really interesting, I should, I should try and find out this, is that of, of, of all of my friends, of people that, you know, we're all, we pretty much all got children, girls, teenage girls, have really, really loved homeschooling. And I wonder, and, and because that means that they have to get really really good at independent learning self-directed learning how that has changed their career ambitions for the future because i wonder whether when they're out of the classroom whether or not some of those girls might choose more of those kind of science tech and data in you know uh, related fields you know as a result of being you know all that peer pressures disappeared you know because they're at home alone um, it'd be really, really interesting to see some data uh, on, on, on how those, you know, how children's aspirations have changed over the course of the year. Yeah. And I think there's, there's just to finalize on that topic, there's also something very interesting that is changing, which is how these kids are being raised, right? They are not, not even natives now. It's, it's beyond that. Uh, and I remember seeing a, a, an interview not long ago where some kids were saying that I would rather have an iPad than a dog. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, of, and it was actually done in the UK and, and hearing that kind of, of, um, of reaction for me, it was like, oh, it was mind blowing, right? What, what happens with the emotional side? I mean, I recall my, my childhood, a dog was like, oh, wow. But now it's an iPad and that's, that makes, 
the, the reality is that that, that, that makes uh, technology like an extension of theirs. They have, they, they don't even search on, on, uh, on a dictionary. What's that? I mean, do they even know what that book is, right? They are doing everything on, on YouTube. They are, they are, in, everything is, is already so much embedded in technology that they would not know what to do without it. And I think that's also making it more accessible in some ways for them. Because yeah. yes, there are, there are turnoffs <laughs> on, mm -hmm. on that idea, but at the same time, it's not something that they are unfamiliar with, right? So I think that's, that's really... I've, I've, I've got a 10 year old who is, is completely opposite to me. He's very sporty um, and, he's, and because he spent, you know, his toddler five, six, seven year old years um, doing coding camps with me in the summer, like he thinks coding and everything is really not cool. Doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He wants to be on the rugby pitch of fighting people doing karate. And that's pretty much it. For about two weeks ago, I kind of had a really silent, like, I've made it parent moment when he said to me in the space of 24 hours. So during the pandemic, he's really got into anime. And I said to him, oh, there's this new thing on Netflix. You can watch that. And he said, mum, just because it's animated, it doesn't make it anime. And I was like, proud of you for that, son. And then we, we and then he said to me on the next day, because um, we, we're trying to watch some an Australian show that we can't get anymore in this country. He said to me, Mum, I think we need to buy a VPN. And I thought, again, I've made it. I've made it. There's two really geeky things he said in the space of 24 hours. I've done all right as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Love it. Oh, Jade, I don't have many more many more questions for you because you've answered like most of the the ideas, and it was it was amazing just to hear not just the the passion, you know, but just a lot of the um, the ideas connected to this because it all it's making me think a lot more about where things are headed and particularly with the pandemic now the next six 12 months i think you know are going to be really interesting times to to look at the impact coming out and to look at you know how things are going to shift and it's great to know that mm -hmm. something like steam school is is in place and that you've already got a track record of saying hey look you know there's nothing to be afraid of um you can learn like this and you can learn online and you can learn with hybrid models and you can you know, you can get rid of subjects and you can do project based stuff and you can have challenges that the kids want to do at home, uh, even when mm -hmm. they're not being told to do something. This is what they're they're into doing. Um, and here's the evidence that it works. And that's going to be really, really important as people look around for what comes next, you know, so it's good mm -hmm. to know that, you know, organizations like yours are out there. Well, thank you very much for giving me an opportunity to share what we do anytime and we'll again i think you're doing fantastic things and uh keep keep going that path keep sharing the voice sharing those those stories starting by your own personal one and mm -hmm. many more that you have around people joining steam school so thank you so much for being with us today jay you are most welcome mm -hmm.